Welcome to our next voyage on T-10, the show with 10-minute takes on the future of education in healthcare. I'm your host, Tim Fitzpatrick. On today's voyage, you'll hear from Carla Bont, founder and CEO at Upskill VR. Upskill uses virtual reality to help students, EMTs, and communities prepare for emergency situations. I've known Carla since 2019, and I've really enjoyed following her journey as an entrepreneur and learning how she thinks about the world of virtual and mixed reality. She shares a story from her EMT experience about showing up to a call at a home where an infant was in need of help and how paralyzing that was for the mother. I love hearing those light bulb moments from founders. As you'll hear in the episode, I wanted to get a better sense of her target market today, her ideal partners and end users, and what's next for Upskill beyond CPR. Carla is also a Navy veteran. We chat about our shared journeys and the importance of having each other's backs in the veteran community. She previously served as veteran in residence at Bunker Labs and was recently named to the Forbes Next 1000 list. Without further ado, please enjoy my deep dive on VR and emergency training with Carla Bond. Carla, thank you so much for joining us on T-10. It's great to have you. Oh, nice. Glad to be here. Oh, it's good to see you again. It's been a while since we've connected and uh, I would love to hear your background. I know we, we have a bit in common how we first actually cross paths in the VR world, but if you wouldn't mind, uh, give us a sense of how you ended up in VR and obviously why your your background makes so much sense for what you're building at Upskill. So I'm, I'm a secret video game nerd. <laughs> so I absolutely love video games and been a paramedic for 20 years and I just got tired of teaching it the way that it had always been and as kindergartners. I watched the video of them going into VR and then I reached out to the person that was on the YouTube video and asked them, you know, questions about what what were the results. And it was startling. And I'm like, okay, you can teach a six-year-old that much better. How much more can I do with adults? So I took my love for video games, taught myself a a bit of... uh, software development. I would never consider myself a, de- a software developer, but I know enough, just enough to be dangerous and screw something up. <laughs> and Upskill was born from there. It's, uh, it's so cool. I love the transition from seeing it work with kids. And, um, you know, you're, you mentioned you were a paramedic for 20 years. So I guess where, where was the first, did you see applications? Just give us a sense of when this happened. It, was this early days of VR? What, what, what did the VR landscape look like? Was there anything really being done in this in this space that kind of was the hybrid between what you saw with, uh, with the kids and then also where you knew there was opportunity or where you were training at the time without VR? Initially, no. I had no idea how I was going to do it or if it was even possible. But once with the little assistance from Google, I was able to find uh, companies in their infancy they weren't necessarily doing CPR, but they were doing other types of training. And this was back in the days of the Oculus Go. <laughs> and we were three, four minutes down the line now, but that is the stage that I initially was trying to figure out how I was going to do it working with an Oculus Go. Um, if I had to go back to all of my VR background, I have a still have a virtual boy. So, <laughs> but I was just being 
able to see what they had come up with just in their own space let me know that it was a possibility i just wasn't sure how so i just paused initially got out there more of an instructor trainer and figured out what pieces that i knew that i needed to pull out because they, they the, i realized that the disconnect was not in the information it was the emotional response to it um so i knew that that's what i was going to hold in i just took a pause and really ironed it out and just took some time to figure out okay how am i going to do this because i didn't i don't have any money to pay anybody right now so <laughs> i tried to do it myself well respect i mean i love hearing startup founder stories I mean, it's, it's uh it's that moment when you kind of see the need and you you know firsthand what what is there i, I love hearing how you kind of parsed how cpr training was done and i want to get into CPR training in general and how you kind of identify which parts should be VR and that emotional aspect over information, I think is super powerful. But for you to be able to say, hey, this is what I love about games, or this is what I think is great about VR. And then be thinking about the headsets, just how challenging that is to, to bring something to life, especially when headsets were, were not quite yet as off the shelf available, accessible as they are today and not quite as powerful and game development was trickier and more expensive. Um, so I'd, I'd love to kind of dive into that now, if we if we could. I know from what little I know about CPR training, a lot of it I've learned from you and watching your work um, and you know, emergency training in general. It looks as though there's more than just what people might know about typical game-based VR where you put a headset on and you're in you're in the experience. It, it kind of, could you, could you walk us through what is involved? Because my understanding is the Go, which is a three degree of freedom, three dot headset, you know, a little bit more limited. I my, I imagine there's a tether, there's maybe some mannequins, but could you walk us through like, what is VR CPR training? And then how does it compare to that original CPR training you were talking about before that uh, that didn't require VR? So those, those parts and how they integrate, I guess. So when you think about just a, just a traditional CPR class, you're in a controlled environment, you're playing essentially with a doll, of course they're mannequins, but essentially it's a doll, it's a torso. So the first thing that you're not gonna encounter out in the real world is a torso and a head that needs CPR. <laughs> and there's nothing going on <laughs> with this with this doll. So me showing up to calls, um, summarize, I showed that what really was a catalyst for me was I showed up to a, a call according to this the child's mother, she had been a nurse for 20 years. So that's 10 CPR cards, at least, she, I mean, CPR classes that she sat there. When we got there, he was still wedged between the tub, tub and the toilet. And it wasn't that she didn't have the education to do it, it's she hadn't had that emotional tie to be able to take what she learned in the classroom and bring it to real life. And that's where VR came in it for me, that I'm able to give people the opportunity to practice in what they would initially see. So I can't see legal to go around, you know, making people pass out, but I can do it in VR. I can stage it correct and you have to respond and make it look as realistic as humanly possible. It's, it's going into a realistic situation without having to do it in the real world so that when you win and if you do encounter that, you'll have that emotional tie. Um, I we we say it here, traditional CPR classes versus what we do. It's like reading a book about learning how to drive a car, without taking a road test. 
and getting a license because essentially that's what they do. You sit in the classroom, you don't get any experience, they give you a car and hope for the best. And that that's not that's, that's not working. Because we're roughly about 500,000 people that die simply because somebody didn't help them before we got there. It's so powerful. I love, thank you for uh, for sharing that story of the call you showed up to. I think that's really powerful. I know you, know, you and I share the, the Navy background and all the time in VR land you hear about flight simulation as one example of where, you know, pilots aren't allowed near the aircraft until they've done hundreds of simulations. And I've you know, been through that pipeline. It's, it's true. It's a lot of hours, a lot of time. Um, in a book and then in the simulator and then you finally get to touch the plane so i think that's such a great great example i there are two things that i want to touch on that you you mentioned one who who is the beneficiary of this training you mentioned parents who even though parents had been through a lot of cpr classes aren't able to to make that connection earlier you mentioned the first kind of spark of realization was with with uh, young kids who were kind of drawn to, to games and to VR. Um, but I'd imagine like professional training, there's a huge opportunity here for people who are going out to get their first time certification or renewal. So who, who does this apply to? Like who, who are the potential users of VR, CPR, emergency training? So our first, um, our ideal customer, our perfect customer is people who are required uh, professionals in the healthcare space specifically who are one required to have it because um, they're paying, they're doing it anyway and are just kind of, I, I would call it a branch outside of that students who are going into the healthcare field, meaning whether you're in high school or college, we want to be there before you hit the hospital. We want to be there before you hit the clinic. So by the time that you get your first job, you've had endless amounts of practice on the most realistic situations possible. So we don't have doctors passing out at the first sight of arterial blood. We don't have that anymore. We don't have uh, new EMTs that have those difficult calls. We can put them in there ahead of time to let them experience it. And then it, 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 it weeds out a lot of Dark. I consider it darkness because you you really don't know how you're going to respond. But if I put you in VR, I can pretty much tell you how you're going to respond. Because when in our experiences, we track your heart rate, so I can tell you when you got scared. I can tell you when you're you got out of breath, and 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 you're able to see it. And it's it's like flight simulation. We're going to get back in. We want you to screw it up with us, not on anybody else. We want you to learn with us. We want you to feel with us, so that when you do go out, it's second nature. One, uh, so that's incredible. I love that you're tracking biofeedback and just how much that must add to training. I mean, the confidence of someone who knows how they're responding and also the self-selection criteria. You hear this all the time with people who, you know, organizations spend a ton of money on hiring and recruiting and staffing and, you know, to, to spend that much on someone who shows up and then realizes it's not for them is, is, a, is a waste for, for everyone across table. So exactly. I feel like that that's also another secondary benefit for, for the people you partner with. That's, that's really and it cool. Could be and also think about it. it could be potentially dangerous because do you really want a doctor to figure out that he can't handle this when you're the patient? <laughs> so that's our approach. We want you to come. We want to meet you before you get there. Amazing. And so how about the other experiences? So CPR makes a ton of sense to me. There's 
that clear distinction between you can bring this to an existing training environment with professionals who have a, a clear set curriculum and we know VR does a great job at cost savings and more fit, driving efficiency in training pipelines. And there's already kind of spend their uh, car accidents, I think is another one you mentioned where showing up to a scene, get, paint a picture of kind of all the, the emergency situations that you think you know, you've thought about or you're thinking about now as upskill, but what does the opportunity set look like in terms of those scenarios? So um, we meet, I've met with parents and created simulations of their house because they're either basement, three stores, houses are getting taller and wider. And if they don't have a plan on when things happen, if the door is not an option for whatever reason that they can't get out of there, that there's an opportunity there. Um, I, I'm a swimmer, so <laughs> they're to teach lifeguards and give them the opportunity to identify and respond to active and passive drowning, those type situations that goes back to the car accident. We feel we run a car off a bridge into some water and you got less than a minute to figure out how you're going to get out. And we, we go over how to do it, but it's, there's a visceral response, even though they're perfectly safe, the learners are perfectly safe, but as that water starts to rise, so does their heart rate because the cell phone doesn't work on the water. I had no idea that, that was a simulation, but <laughs> it makes me think of, you know, the, the, the plank scenario that everyone knows who's seen VR. I think it was the, the thing that showed everyone that your brain can't separate VR from reality. You, know, you put the cat on the end of the plank. It reminds me so much of that, but I think it's even more as, you know, I think it's even more of a fear factor, like being in underwater. And, and also if your platform is able to capture biofeedback, just, yeah. it's just fascinating to me that you can simulate some of these things and, and get people to a point where they feel confident or a lot more confident to the point where they can confident. actually react it within that time frame that they have to react to survive. Right. Right. Yeah. And we just want to be able, it's cliche, but in the way Elizabeth Holmes said, but people saying goodbye too soon, she was absolutely right about that. The route she went to go about it, I don't agree with, but what she said was absolutely right. And that's where we're, we're, we're trying to lower those uh, statistical numbers of people who literally possibly could have been with us a lot longer had they either, they either had the experience, the people around them um, had the experience because I, I, in a group of um, 20 people in a room, only one of them statistically, even decently is going to respond the right, right way. But what if you're that one that needs to respond? That means 19 other people are going to be standing around looking at you scared. And the average response time for an ambulance is about seven, eight minutes. But your your life expectancy that we can get you back drops 10% every minute you go without CPR, every minute you go without. So it, it gets, it, it sounds doomsday, but it's better to know and not need it than need it and not have it. I'd love to hear about your kind of your vision for the future of Upskill and kind of the, the partner set that you would love to get in front of, would love to hear from, would love to kind of get, get to know and understand. It sounds like you're working with schools, looking to talk to schools, to colleges, people who are either considering healthcare professions or already in the healthcare profession pipeline, possibly EMTs. 
who are the types of partners you want to get in, in front of or would be curious to meet? My big, hairy, audacious goal is to be the back-end software pro uh, solution for the actual certification providers. And so those are your American Heart Associations, your American Safety and Health Institute, American Red Cross. Um, and we're... We work with we. I would want to work with them to be able to because they have the audience already, it, just in the CPR aspect of it. Um, they already have the audience, and they're already <laughs> giving it to them. We're just we're just gonna give them that. I would love to just give them an extra tool that will <laughs> be able to help the people that they're already helping. That sounds that sounds great. I'm curious um, in your imagination with the number of people that they already serve. What are your thoughts on headsets, on kind of the, the hardware side of the equation? Um, like, what do you see as the best form of VR or any kind of solution mechanism delivery method where you would see upskill interfacing with, with those students? Is it a VR headset? Is it mobile? Like, what, what is your ideal scenario there? I would say both, but I, it's hard to simulate on a phone, but everybody has a phone in their pocket. Not everybody has a VR headset, but I feel like the direction that gaming is going in, especially the realism of how gaming, the gaming industry is just getting better and better. Gone are the days of Atari <laughs> in comparison to PS5. So I I feel like VR is that next step because there are, there are more training. That, I mean, there are more games that are being developed and they're getting better and better, which is going to open up way more opportunities and they were a lot more uh, opportunities to use VR for good outside of gaming. So keeping my no, ear and ear to the ground, so watching them, I, I, I feel like that, yes, they're... We're in a particular, it's not as main, it's, I wouldn't necessarily consider it mainstream, but we're better than what we were when the Oculus Go came out. <laughs> so as long, I just feel like it's going to continue to grow because especially now when we're at home a lot more than what we used to be. And it's become a commonplace for people to be a home. <laughs> so we'll, we bring the experience that we will bring the experience of you because technology is going to just keep growing. I'm with you. Yeah, I would love to see CPR training available from home and um, someone to, to help solve the device equation, and maybe we won't need it. Maybe there's going to be something else that comes down the line that makes it easier for us to deliver uh, just as good training and outcomes without needing the hardware, but we'll see. We'll stay tuned. Um, if I could right, get uh, Carla, with this in the hands of people getting their driver's license, like it's a requirement. If I feel like if you can, you sh you're old enough to operate a motor vehicle, you that you should know this. That I that, that's just kind of how my brain works, catching people before they're in the situation. I agree. I think driving is a great example. I know there's there's been some research, some studies done around distracted driving in VR, and uh, I believe in Toronto. I'll follow up and put links in the show notes. But some great studies around just how important teaching that moment is and being able to do it before the moment uh, and, and what that impact can have. So I, I think it's a great point. Carla, I'd love to wrap up with the final frontier, if you're ready, the five questions in 50 seconds. We'll, <laughs> we'll add an exciting graphic and post. I'll run it by the team, see if it can happen. But are you, uh, are you ready for the first question? I'm ready. All right, awesome. Let's do it. What do you think is the top challenge you're facing right now in your world? Exposure. 
Exposure, definitely exposure. Um, uh, even though people un know VR exists, there's still a lot of people that are still questioning. So I would say exposure. How about the top opportunity for you? DMVs, driver's license, people getting their driver's license. I feel like that's that you're catching people at the prime age and then people who are not catching people in that moment. That would be a prime opportunity. You get your driver's license, you have to take this course. You have to put this headset on and do this at the same time. How about a tech trend you're really excited about or following right now? The realism, game art and design, uh, how hmm. realistic. This is starting to really be, that's exciting to see. How about top media recommendations, books, podcasts, anything you're following these days? Uh, the Transition Podcast from Bunker Labs. And I feel uh, like the book Hook Point is something that everybody should to read. It teaches communication. Awesome. Love it. And last one, how about a healthcare or tech leader or leaders you're following right now? Just Tim Cook. <laughs> I, I watch him pretty closely. <laughs> um, Tim Cook. Yeah, Tim Cook. Awesome. Yeah, excited to tune in next month for, for the conference to see what they have in store for us on the mixed reality front. That's for sure. Yeah, it's exciting. Cool. Carla, thank you. It's been amazing having you on T-10. I'm so grateful you joined, excited for Upskill and all your you're going to be doing and building in the next few years for CPR and emergency situations. Nice. I had a good time. <laughs> Great to connect again. Thank you.